Why do I seek misery? It's a dramatic way to ask the question, but it's also the most direct way to ask it. Why do I scan for problems, errors, rather than things to embrace and things to celebrate? Fear. A fear not just of one thing, but a collective sense of fear. Like radar systems that scan and track airplanes in the sky. My mind looks for little red blips that may bring pain misery, loneliness, and yes, death. The ache in my neck is always something worse. The nausea in my stomach is proof. The thump, 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 thump in my chest But if you seek something, you will find it. I don't remember who said that. Was it Jesus or Mark Twain or maybe Yoda? But if you look for inflammation in your knee, in time it will swell to meet your need. Another idea comes to mind. Another paraphrased quote that I can't place. Inside all of us is a twitching and itching waiting to be summoned. Ask yourself, If your palm itches, ask it long enough and you will find it beginning to itch. So much of consciousness is attention. So again, why do I seek misery? Why do I assume that I will be the one who has the heart attack? Why do I assume that my pain will never improve? Why does every toothache become a septic infection in my mind? What punishment am I expecting and for what sin I saw a dead June bug on the sidewalk today and it had a strange effect that little body glistening like a fleck of solid gold in the midday sun I suddenly realized 
June. I came to the realization in such a natural way. I hadn't looked at a clock or a calendar, but rather I knew the time of year because of the body of another life. I can't explain what it felt like in anything but mundane words. It flooded me with a sense of presence. I knew where and when I was in an almost biological way. The way our ancestors knew when to plant and when to huddle in caves. The way birds know when to pack up and move. The way dogs know when their owner will be home soon or when dinner will be dropped in their bowl. The way bugs know when to fly and when to drop on the sidewalk and die. Inside us all, there are so many different versions. Snapshots of previous selves. Deviance. Aberrations. Abandoned youthful ideologues. And well-meaning naive egos. That we grew well past from experience and from scars. But they, they don't die. They live under the surface like koi fish in a pond, bubbling only briefly to the surface when summoned by pebbles of food dropped like bait. Thinking of the June bug, thinking of summertime, thinking of a feeling without words, and an old me poked his lips above the water, sucking sips of air. He was 16, maybe 17, and he was in my skin, walking my dog, wearing my hat, breathing with my lungs. Four days ago, I was flipping aimlessly through YouTube, and I saw a video about my new CPAP machine. 
the red word warning was stamped on the thumbnail. I clicked on it and I watched. Worldwide recall for all Philips Respironic Dream Station users. Stop using your machine. A sound dampening foam is breaking up. It could be coming through the tube. It could be going into your lungs while you sleep. And I just gotten back to an almost normal pattern. Now, how was I gonna sleep? up my sleep numbers from my machine. My AHI. My apnea hypopnea index. I also pulled up a chart. How bad is my condition? How dangerous will it be to sleep without the machine? my numbers I can't be right I looked again I pulled up a different chart I looked at more days on my machine I pulled charts from six different places they all said the same thing A-H-I Less than five, normal, no apnea, AHI, between five and 15, mild, AHI, between 15 and 30, moderate, AHI, greater than 30, severe. In over 75 nights, the highest my number ever got was 3.1. Not 31, 3.1. AHI, less than five, normal, no apnea. No apnea. I don't have sleep apnea. Maybe I never did. Maybe it was anxiety all along. Maybe they let me get a machine because they knew I was looking for something to be wrong. Maybe they knew that for me, believing in apnea and that the machine would fix it, would allow me to let go of my misery search. Or maybe they just wanted my money. It's been 
five or six nights without the machine now, I sleep well. Still not perfectly. But last night, I only woke up once. So, I'm ditching the machine. And I'm keeping the wedge pillow. Happiness is a choice you make and a skill you develop. That's a quote from Naval Ravikant. Let me say that again. Happiness is a choice you make and a skill you develop. If we can choose our suffering, then we can also choose our happiness, right? Almost a month ago, in response to a TikTok about dealing with depression, I responded, I find getting through the days sometimes involves a certain amount of self-deception. I've been thinking about that a lot since I wrote it. We have to fool ourselves into feeling better. In order to move through anxiety and depression, you have to let go of the image of the cool guy, girl, person. You can't be too cool for positive thinking or mantras or whatever the hell helps you to survive. You have to become a holy fool. One of the highest points in my life was a few years ago. It was right after my darkest period. And it only lasted about a week. I was reminded of it after seeing that dead June bug. The way I felt both times was similar. The world was light, and so was I. A friend called it living on a higher frequency. It's like I was drifting through the air as a pale pastel green gas. And it started. That first beautiful week started because of a passage from a Celestine prophecy. In the scene, a man is looking at a plant. And someone else 
is telling him to focus on the color in order to teach him to see beauty and energy. Focus on the color and you will notice it swell. The green will become more green. The red will become more red. It's a fictional story, but I tried this for myself. And it worked. Some trick of the mind, some trick of attention and perception. But the green got more green. And the red got more red. And I laughed. It was so cool that I laughed. Hello, green. I looked at the sky. Hello, glue. (laughs) It was ridiculous. My logical, reasonable mind knew It was ridiculous, but it felt good. I felt good. I felt good being foolish. Nothing else mattered. Not long after, maybe 20 minutes later, I walked into a grocery store still smiling. I was halfway down the first aisle before I recognized the song playing over the speakers. It was something I hadn't heard in over a decade. Something I used to listen to all the time. A song I loved, but had forgotten. What was this band called? Love, Love and Rockets. Then the chorus played. Oh yeah, Love and Rockets. Holy fool. Holy fool. In order to move through anxiety and depression, You have to let go of the image of being the cool guy, girl, person. You can't be too cool for positive thinking or mantras or whatever the hell helps you to survive. You truly have to become the holy fool. I took out my great pocket notebook and I scribbled on the cover. Holy fool, live inside the questions. It wasn't from the song, just something in my head. And I lived off of that for a week, continually returning to those words continually looking at colors, watching them swell, and saying, hello, 
And then I lost it. I fell off the wave. I didn't feel that again until I saw a gold bug dead on the sidewalk. This time, it only lasted 10 minutes. That passage from the Celestine Prophecy, I've looked for it many times. I've even reread the book, and I can't find it. I find things that are similar, but no passage the way that I remembered it, the way that I needed it that day. So, is all of this bullshit? Probably. It's all some kind of delusion. But you know what's even more bullshit? You know what's honestly the biggest bullshit there is? Living in pain. Suffering. Even though you know another way. Even though you know how to fall into a happiness. How to seek it out. But you're just too damn cool to be a clown. Too damn serious to be ridiculous. Sometimes I sit down with my older family members to watch a movie. And if I don't suggest something, I'm usually forced to watch something awful. (laughs) But I also have to be careful what I choose. The jokes that I find funny fly over their heads. And even the hint of a boob. And the room fills with murmurs of puritanical outrage. So, on Friday, as I sat down to watch a movie, and I flipped through the selections on Amazon Prime, I spotted Secondhand Lions. A movie that my friend John turned me on to almost a decade ago. It's one of those movies that's better than maybe anyone expected it to be. Yet was never seen by enough people to get that reputation. And it's PG, aka safe to play. And they loved it. And why shouldn't they? It's beautiful. And it's wildly idealistic. 
And near the end of the movie, Robert Duvall's character gives his young nephew a speech about what he needs to know to be a man. What we all need to know to be a person. It's how we face the choice between tragic cool and holy fool. It's how we learn to greet colors and smile in grocery stores and remember the month by staring at the ground. It's how we find what we seek and it's how we finally get some sleep. Here's what he says. If you want to believe in something, believe in it. Just because something isn't true doesn't mean you can't believe in it. Sometimes the things that may or may not be true are the things a man needs to believe in the most. Whether they're true or not, those are the things a man should believe in because those are the things worth believing in. Got that? I got it. Did you get it? I hope so. And thanks for listening. And thanks to the patrons over on Patreon who encourage me to continue recording through their generous support. You can be one too if you want to. The link is in the description. And if you want to go to itmattersbutitdoesn't.com, you can click one of my social links. Whichever one is the place where you dwell. And you can message me. Tell me your thoughts. What are you feeling? What are you afraid of trying? What is your beautiful lie? And that's all, my friends. Be kind. Be happily foolish. And I love you.